2: You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow a side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikala Matthews. So let's get started. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas. Squarespace gives you a powerful online platform to make your next big move known to the world. With Squarespace, you can easily create a website by yourself using user-friendly templates and customizable features. Simply add and arrange your content with just a few clicks. Check out squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code HustlePro10 to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Today, at the guest chair, I have online coach and personal trainer Tamika G. Tamika's story is far from ordinary. Over the course of ten years, she has completely flipped her lifestyle and her long-term career path. As a result. Years ago, she was overweight, living in her home country of Canada, and just generally unhappy. But she decided she didn't want her food addiction and obesity to be what defined her story and her end game. So she made drastic life changes to rewrite her own narrative. She lost 90 pounds and has kept it off for over 10 years. And since losing those 90 pounds, she has devoted her time to helping others achieve the same happiness she's found on this journey. As a certified personal trainer, she has helped over 400 clients, both in person and online, lose a cumulative total of 3,000 plus pounds, and she did this all while side hustling. After several years side hustling, working in corporate and being a fitness professional on the side, she was finally able to build a life she no longer needs a vacation from. Tamika has done something truly remarkable, and I can't wait for you to hear all about it. Let's get into it. So welcome to the guest chair, Tamika.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: I am excited to have you. Um, For those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about your background. What was your career path?
1: Sure. So I started, I was one of those go-getters. So right out of university, I got a job and I've basically been climbing the corporate ladder ever since, or had been climbing the corporate ladder ever since. So my field was HR, human resources. Um, Started out as like an an analyst or assistant and worked my way up. Worked in Canada for about seven years in this field and then got an international opportunity to move with my company to Hong Kong and moved to Hong Kong three years ago or Asia three years ago. Worked about three years in Hong Kong and have since left my corporate job and I'm now relocated to Bali, which is just kind of paradise, and I'm working online. So it's been a long 10 years, but a very fulfilling 10 years because it's just the evolution has been incredible.
2: So this is so funny. You are one of those people who are very succinct and can sum up their journey in one minute, but that's not what we do here. <laughs> <laughs> you are detailed. Right, right. We're going to get some more details, but I love that you basically, you know, told us who you are and how you got started. But I want to know, when did you start the side hustling piece? Like Now we know your career path, but when did you start to become Tamika G, the trainer and coach?
1: Yeah, so my story for the side hustle is actually really interesting. About, I would say, four or five years ago, I was in a sea of debt. So I'm talking $50,000 in debt. I went through extreme heartache, um, went through a divorce and was just at a really, really low point in my life and was kind of just looking for something else. I had lost about a hundred pounds 10 years ago. And I just kind of shared a before and after photo on Instagram. And this was back when I had like maybe a hundred followers, just friends and family since when Instagram first started. And I was kind of the product of a viral story. So my picture, my before and after went viral, my Instagram following grew. And I kind of just thought, how can I monetize this and make this into a bit of a business. So the fact that I was at a really low point in my life and I had this account that was just growing and I didn't know what to do with it, um, decided to look for kind of a part time work and in a field that I loved, that was I was passionate about. So got certified as a personal trainer because as I was going viral, I just started sharing tips and tricks along the way of how I've maintained a healthy lifestyle and been able to maintain the weight loss. So it all kind of just happened at the same time. I got certified as a personal trainer and then I kind of started just training on the side. I chose personal training because it was something I could do with my full-time job because most trainers will train in the evenings and on weekends because most of their clients work full-time jobs. So it was something I could do. I was passionate about it aligned with this Instagram page I was building, but not really sure what I was doing with at the time. Um, And yeah. So I, I kind of maintained the side hustle as a, as a part-time trainer. So I moved to Hong Kong while I was needy in the side business and the side hustle of personal training. And all my clients were just like, we need you. And I said, well, I can still be available virtually and started <laughs> to kind of provide meal plans and um, fitness plans to people virtually. And then that business just took off because people were starting to realize that they could be held accountable and pay a lot less money to have somebody virtually versus in person.
2: When you decided to move, were you thinking you were going to pick up new clients or were you just like, all right, I guess this side hustle is over?
1: Well, I I was really, I was passionate about it. So I was at the point where I was I kind of was getting out of debt after moving abroad because I was, I made a lot of, I made really good money, um, but it was something I was really passionate about. And it was something that just brought me a lot of joy. So it wasn't something I was doing with the intent of growing initially. It was something I just did to con- to sustain kind of this feeling and slowly kind of still get out of debt.
2: Now, thank you for being open enough to share that you went through this heartache and, you know, also were in this mountain of debt what about that experience made you want to move abroad? Like, were, had you always been an adventure seeker growing up or, you know, something just flipped inside of you?
1: Honestly, I feel like I always had that, that in me, but I just never had the opportunity. And I was one of those people that just didn't think it was possible. So I guess there's, it's twofold. I, I was in typical suburbia. So I was out of university, got a job. After I got a job, found a boyfriend, Um, we dated for a couple of years, he proposed, we got married. Like I was literally following that straight narrow path. And then once my world was almost essentially turned upside down from the divorce, I kind of just thought, okay, well, I'm sad, but this is also a second chance at life because I was going down a very different path. I should have probably had two kids, a white picket fence and all that good stuff. But I was at an opportunity where I could completely change the course of my life. And I can't tell you why I decided to to kind of go for this. It probably was a blog post or something that inspired me. I wish I could remember exactly what inspired me. But I think I always had this innate drive inside of me to leave. I just didn't really have the opportunity. And once my world was turned upside down, I didn't really have anything to hold me back. Kind of just went for it and decided that I was going to try to move abroad. So it was something I was intentionally seeking. Um, and that's why I left my I left. I changed jobs and I moved to a company that was much larger and international that could facilitate this move and that's that's kind of how that happened
2: okay so smart and the reason i am you know taking a a bit of time just to go through that experience of moving abroad is i think that what you've done is you know as you say you've created a life you don't need a vacation from and so many people want that life and we get it in bits and pieces by traveling during that one or two weeks that we have vacation but it's something completely different when you actually were intentional about making this life change. And I want people to know that if you are intentional, you too can do this. Like we can create the life that we want. So what kind of research did you do and what did you look into before making the move and why did you choose Hong Kong?
1: Yeah, so it's funny because I did a lot of research. So I'm highly strategic when it comes to life decisions. Like I want to have fun, but I also want it to be effective and I want it to be a smart decision. So the move to internationally was a very smart decision. I mean, there was obviously the, the UK and there was Europe overall. That was, that was a, um, something that was appealing. But Asia is just booming. And for my career to accelerate, for me to make the most money with the lowest taxes, Hong Kong was just a viable option. Um, Asia overall was a viable option, but Hong Kong is like the New York, the London of Asia Singapore was also another option, but Hong Kong is just a little bit more fun. But when I was kind of looking where I wanted to move, it was Singapore or Hong Kong. So Asia overall was just a a region that I was really keen on. Um, And I did a lot of research. So I looked at things like low tax rates. I looked at things like um, cost of living. I looked at things like income potential and growth. And once I kind of decided that Asia was a place I wanted to go, I started looking at companies that were prevalent in Asia and once I started looking and finding companies that were public in Asia, I just started applying to those companies and networking the hell out of anybody that I would talk to. I would email people, LinkedIn I used as a great resource. And then once you started to when I, once I started to put myself out there, um, I got into a job that actually had operations in about 11 countries in Asia. So the minute I started, I started telling people I want to move to Asia. I want to move to Asia. So I guess the key for me was getting into a global company and then just networking once I got there to get to a place that I wanted to go. But I. It's funny because when I think back to my journey, I actually left a full-time job to move to this international company um, just with the intention of moving to Asia. So it was a very strategic path that I kind of created for myself, but it just required a lot of research and a lot of networking and a lot of hustle to kind of get to Hong Kong.
2: Yeah. And to give you credit, I know that you, when you joined this company, it was like a contract position, right? So it wasn't even guaranteed. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so I, and, and again, in typical suburbia life, I thought, I'm leaving benefits and I'm going to go for an hourly position just because it's global or it's a global company. And yeah. And I think again, it all had to do with this heartache. Historically, I had so many people relying on me and counting on me, my husband, but when you're kind of living for yourself, I just thought, well, it's a risk. Yes. I have a mortgage. I have a lot of debt. So it's definitely a risk, but it's a risk I was willing to take because it was just, I was doing it for me.
2: So awesome. And I know that many of us think of moving to another country is something that's going to be expensive, but you were actually able to clear out your debt and set the stage for what you are now able to do and, and be an entrepreneur. Talk to us about that process.
1: Yeah. So I, I guess I started tackling this debt while I was in Canada, before I moved to Hong Kong. Hong Kong just accelerated the plan. Um, Again, I was really strategic at the country in which I chose because I think one of the things that we don't pay enough attention to is taxes. (laughs) So moving to a country where I went from a 40% tax bracket to a 15% tax bracket automatically created, what what is that, a 25% increase in pay. And that is like not even including the actual increase in pay I got. So once I was able to get a tremendous amount of more money, I could have flossed and, you know, got out and got a big bachelorette pad and started buying things. But I was I was so accustomed to the lifestyle I was living in Canada. I was on a get out of debt plan in Canada. So I just maintained a very humble living environment. So I got like a 300 square foot ghetto studio apartment, walk up building. Um, I could have lived a very different life, but I chose to live a humble life to accelerate this get out of debt plan. Um, and that's kind of the way in which I approached it, but it was a very strategic approach to get to Hong Kong because of the tax rate. So yeah, that was the way in which I approached.
2: So smart. All right, now let's get into the actual side hustle to entrepreneur journey. So now you've joined this company, you are tackling a new company, a new culture too, which we'll get into a little bit. Yeah. How did you juggle your <laughs> nine to five and your growing brand?
1: Well, it's funny because the way my evolution of my side hustle, my then side hustle, it kind of just, it was so organic. Like I just continued to grow on my following and the more business was coming in as like a, as a Jamaican girl, like I never turn away money. So it was like, <laughs> I, <Yes. laughs> um, so when my growing started happening and the following was increasing, I, the clients just started increasing. So it was literally juggling this new country New work lifestyle, because in Asia, they work really, really, really hard, really long hours. And you're always kind of calling with North America. So you have to do the the late nights and early mornings. Um, and then I was juggling that in a side business. So it wasn't easy, but it was just literally the evolution of my brand that was happening organically. Because um, one thing I've always been really passionate about is putting out and producing really good content. Um, and that just has helped my brand to grow organically over the years. So with the growth of my side business and then obviously this new job, it was just it was a very busy year. But it was a fulfilling year because I was actually growing in, a, in an area and in a business that I was passionate about. So that started kind of sparking my interest in is this something I could really do full time? And that's kind of where the wheel started turning. And I started putting things in place to make it a full time job a high, versus just a side hustle.
2: Now, speaking of the great content you create, were you also investing in like different equipment or any kind of staff help to, you know, you launch a website, you have really high-res photos. How did you do that while still maintaining your budget plan and keeping costs low?
1: So I've never spent a dollar on marketing. The only thing I've invested in has been web developers and Basically, I hired a girl who's incredible, and she's kind of worked through the evolution of my brand. And I also have worked with a guy, so I've worked with just web people because that's one thing I can't do. Photography and something—it's something that I've just always been interested in. So I did invest in a camera, Um, but I would say up until a year ago, all of the pictures you see on my on my blog and my profile and stuff—it's it's it's just been taken with an iPhone. (laughs) So I would say just as I started to grow, I started to invest, but historically, it's just only been a web person because I've been so. Focused on keeping costs low. That's kind of been the model of my business since it started. It's just I need to keep costs low until I get to a point where I can start investing more into it.
2: Amen. I hear that.
1: <laughs> I'm really I'm really low risk when it comes to the, this business and
2: money, so I try to keep costs as low as possible. Okay. So I'm curious which camera you invested in.
1: No, honestly, it's just a Canon DSLR. So it's the latest one. So I got it, and I'm in, gonna, and I invested in a few lenses, but it. It wasn't a massive investment. It's just the only investment I made, So I just made note to it, but it's not a massive investment.
2: Now, talk to us about thinking through the different revenue streams in your business. As you move to Hong Kong and you had virtual clients, like how else were you thinking about scaling? How else have you scaled so that you can continue to expand?
1: So I will t- I'll tell you the truth. So the online client thing, it's really just mad- making it more automated. So I could take on more clients. One of the things I'm really passionate about is my business model that I don't really want to alter from, which is this is high touch, hands on accountability model. So a lot of trainers out there will just give you a plan and walk away. Whereas I have all my clients on WhatsApp. We do fake weekly FaceTimes. They have to submit weekly documents. So it's a very hands on approach. And that's something that I was not willing to, to take away from my business. So scaling, the only way in which way I could set scale is if I automated some of the plans that I'm producing. So I've started to get into this automation piece of working to get people plans as quickly as possible, but keeping that accountability piece as raw and as true as possible. And so that, that's been my main revenue stream, and it's actually done me very well. And now I'm moving into health retreats because I do miss the in-person interaction. So because I'm in the magical place, I've just been, I've decided to now start health retreats where I will invite people to Bali. And we'll spend a week focusing on health, mind, body, spirit. We'll do yoga. We'll do meditation. We'll do boot camps. We'll eat organic, healthy, vegan meals. It's going to basically be an opportunity for you to reset your health path and learn how to build a health plan that's sustainable for you long term. So that'll be the second official revenue stream. And then third and fourth down the road is going to really be e-courses and e-books. And I'm, I'm getting into that now.
2: That retreat sounds amazing. And I'm going to link to that in the show notes, guys, because (laughs) all I've ever wanted was to do yoga and be in Bali. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a magical place. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So let's start to talk about that. Now, when did you make the decision that, okay, I'm going to make this leap and become a full-time entrepreneur?
1: So I would say when I went to Hong Kong, like I said, I was in a really low point in my life. So moving to Hong Kong definitely brought brought Tamika back. You know what I mean? I was able to travel. I was working. I was feeling great. I was juggling the side hustle, like literally everything. I felt like I was on top of the world. And then as the more money came and the more responsibility came in corporate, it was just diminishing returns. I was just feeling like, okay, I have everything in the world on paper. Like I'm supposed to be happy, but I just still feeling really empty inside. And then honestly, I'll tell you the, the tipping point that got me to actually quit my job and do this full time. I applied for this next progressive role at my company and I have a, I had a great company. I'll never, I'll never talk badly about them, but I didn't get the role. And this was going to be that next step for me. It was going to be a global role. It was going to be, I was going to be basically at the level that I, I wanted to get to it Was that it was that next step for me and I didn't get the role. And I thought to myself, I've never not gotten a role literally, and, that, and I'm blessed in a sense, but I'm such a go-getter that any role I apply to and I put my heart into, I get it. And I, I just, I got declined and I was so baffled, humbled. And just, I thought, I don't want anybody to dictate my success. I, I was ready for that next move and I didn't get it because of a, I guess, subjective decision maker. And I thought to myself, I'm ready for this next step. And literally somebody is, is saying no. And I thought, I don't want anybody to dictate my success. I want to dictate my success. So I literally quit the next week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I, yeah. And I had been saving for a move like this for a while because I had known that I wasn't the corporate girl long-term forever. And the minute that I didn't get that job, it was literally, it was literally the, for me, it was the sign that I needed to, to go out and do something on my own. But I would say moving to Hong Kong was an awesome experience. The, the company was great. But after about a year and a half, two years there, I wasn't I wasn't as fulfilled as I thought I would be. I had everything on paper, but I, and I went on trips. I would travel once or twice a month. I would go to places like Thailand, Vietnam, Singapore, Malaysia. Like I had a dope life on paper. But every time I had to go back to this nine to five and this grind of working for somebody else, it still left me feeling empty. Like I knew I needed more. And then when I didn't get that job, I just <laughs> I quit <laughs> and started to just make this lifestyle full time.
2: Do you think they knew about Tamika G outside of work and, and were worried about your commitment or was that completely separate? So I
1: worked for a great company, so they knew a lot of what I did. They knew that I had a part-time personal training business that was online because I worked in financial services. I actually had to like, let everybody know from a legal perspective that I had this, but it was, it wasn't, um, it wasn't conflicting. So there was no issue um, so they knew I had a business on the side and they knew I ran a blog and they knew that I had an Instagram page. Many of them follow me on Instagram, um, and still do. So I wasn't, it wasn't something I had to hide from anybody, but I think they didn't know how successful that business was. <laughs> I kind of downplayed it more mm-hmm. like it's just a side thing, for, it, but it was a very lucrative business on the side. I wasn't as open with how lucrative it was.
2: Hey, guys. So as many of you know, I got married in August 2017. And when it came time to make a wedding website, I turned to Squarespace. Squarespace allows you to customize the look and feel of your website with just a couple of clicks. And you have your pick of beautiful templates created by world-class designers, plus free and secure hosting. So we were able to snag our wedding hashtag, Okome Ever After, as our URL through Squarespace, and it made everything come together seamlessly, including rsvps not only that but it was optimized for mobile which is how most of our friends access the site so whatever your next big idea or project might be you can count on squarespace to help you create an eye-catching online platform that brings it all to life maybe you need a site to sell your products or even create your own wedding website squarespace gives you everything you need to look like a pro right from the start Head over to Squarespace.com for your free trial today and enter offer code HUSTLEPRO10 to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And what about just the experience of being a Black woman in Hong Kong? Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, that was interesting. (laughs) So, I met an amazing community of black women in Hong Kong. So if you even go down to my feed, you're going to see all my girls back in Hong Kong. Um, There was a group of us and we were tight knit. So I would say if it wasn't for them, it wouldn't have been as easy of a transition. So for instance, there was about eight of us in total, six of us that I was super, super close with, but there was about eight to 10 of us that I could rely on. So that means if everybody, everybody kind of goes home periodically, so you could just have one person going home and they would just stock up on hair products and bring it back for us all. So we were just like, we, we looked out for each other we were there for each other. We had Christmases together, Thanksgivings together. It, I built a community and, and I'm doing the same thing in Bali. Everywhere I go and I move, I set intention on building community because that just makes the transition so much easier. So I find tribe members who I can like, who, I, who, can, who can ride for me. I can ride for them because it's just when you're out here all alone and no family and especially being the obvious token black person, it makes for a really hard transition unless you have people to rely on. So Hong Kong wasn't the easiest transition. It's probably one of the hardest transitions moving from North America as a black person you could possibly have just culturally. It's so different language barriers, all that good stuff, but it was the community I built that made it so much smoother.
2: Yeah. I thought that, you know, it was so interesting and also reassuring to see on Instagram that, Hey, there's this community of black girls who did you just somehow find each other? Or was it like a thing like, Hey, you're going here. I know someone who knows someone. And then like, you know, putting you guys in touch? Or was it through like a meetup group?
1: It was all through just friends of friends. That's so,
2: awesome.
1: Yeah, we just, we, and then once you find kind of these members, you kind of just stick together. It's like, like I said, it's holidays. It's Monday night, happy hours. It's just everything. We kind of just, we just all stick together. And then you just grow organically because then people start to see, oh, there's black people in Hong Kong. Maybe I'll give Hong Kong a try. And then your 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 your, your circle just grows.
2: So what made you decide to leave that group to start, a, you know, have to find a whole new community and, um, you know, try out a new country?
1: So like I've, I've said, I've always been super strategic with my life. So I'm starting the side business now. And I thought, OK, Hong Kong is great, but it's great if you're in corporate and you have corporate support. I don't have that right now. So where can I find a place that's cheap, that allows me to live well? Because when you live in Asia, you're kind of accustomed to things like helpers to clean for you like you're accustomed to it like massages you're accustomed to a really nice lifestyle that it's hard to leave so i said where can i maintain this lifestyle that i love so much where can i live a place that's cheap have a great community still get tropical weather so it's really just more of a strategic move to come to bali i had been traveling so much throughout asia in my years in hong kong that i just kind of knew what was right for me and bali was right bali also has a really strong digital nomad community so a lot of people out here doing the entrepreneurial thing all online so I knew I needed a community. So it was more of a strategic move. Staying in Hong Kong is not feasible if you're not in a corporate world making six plus figures. It's just, it's not feasible. No matter how humble you try to be and how humble you try to live, it also just doesn't make sense, right? Like if I can live in tropical paradise, as much as I love my girls in Hong Kong, I'm going to choose a lifestyle that's probably more conducive to what I really, what really brings me joy, which is beach, sun and just island life.
2: Mm -hmm. There are many mindsets when it comes to entrepreneurship. And I think the process of making money on your own, it can be addictive. And then, being mature and organized and forward thinking enough to say, okay, I'm making money, but I need to stack this and also prepare for all these other things. I'm going to keep my cost of living low. It's, it's really tough. So I commend you for being able to do that and taking that mental and financial preparation.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
2: Where do you see yourself a year from now? Like, do you see yourself surpassing your salary?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, I'm not surpassing it, but it's, it's so funny because it's like the more money that you make, the more money you need. So I've been finding that even though, because I was making exceptionally good money in Hong Kong, but I was also naturally just spending more because you have to, you have higher cost of living. You have to live in the city. So now that I've kind of adopted this island life, I actually don't need that much money. Money is just no longer the priority. I will get to where I was um, just naturally based on projections and stuff with my business. But it's just no longer a requirement or a need. So it kind of feels good to not have that huge reliance on it. And that's why I've decided to pick a place where I can live, where I just, you know, rent here is 400 U.S. a month. And that comes with a daily cleaner. I can get a massage for five U.S. dollars. Um, I've, I haven't have washed a dish in three months. And this isn't to, like, this isn't to gloat. This is just to say I've literally selected a place where I can live, where money is just not it's not a priority, but it'll come with the business. So a year from now, I see myself probably still in Bali or at least in Southeast Asia. But now the way I've, I've also kind of ap- approached life is to just not plan because I know that I've moved countries so many times. Life just kind of plans itself out for you. So this retreat business, that was really just an idea on Snapchat <laughs> that I was talking. I, I I often just kind of talk aimlessly, talking on Snapchat, just said, you know, I kind of want to do retreats out here. The business is now gonna be something big. So I see this retreat even possibly being a traveling health retreat. So picking really awesome places around the world and bringing people to come for a one week, two week stay in awesome remote places around the world for this health health kind of detox. So I say all that to say in a year's time, I would love to still be in Bali because I love Bali and I love the lifestyle. However, if the business takes me elsewhere, I'll be elsewhere. But everywhere I go, I'll continue to just make costs low where I can continue to focus on my purpose and my passion without the money being my number one driver.
2: That phrase, digital nomad, it's so cool. It's so cool that you can create a life where you are not tied to a physical location to make money. And especially in the personal training, coaching and fitness business, a lot of people think of that as a being present in person relationship. So you have done a really awesome job of building up your business virtually. Now I know you said that you did not spend a dime on marketing. So what do you think it is that set you apart and really helped you to attract new clients?
1: Authenticity. Thank you, by the way, for that. But, um, and for, for saying that, I think, I think I've always focused on being authentic. So I've never really been one to look at following and look at likes and post things that are going to get likes and all that stuff. I literally just post, you know, a, a follower will ask me a question. I think, you know, this is something that I need to address. So I'll post a post about it and I'll blog about it or I'll do a video about it. And people just often comment on how authentic I am. I've kind of stayed true to who I was from the get go. People have followed me from day one and they're still they're still riding with me. So I think it's my authenticity that it's probably helped with this growth because a lot of people you follow that don't necessarily have a strong, consistent, authentic message. It's great to follow and see pretty pictures, but are you going to really invest in their products and invest in what they have to offer? Likely not. Like I filled up 14 retreat spots in a week. And these are people who have been following me for a week. I'm following me for years and they literally dropped a lot of money to just come and be with me and my brand for a week. So I think that just shows that my followers are super loyal. And I think it's because I've just been, I've been authentic from day one.
2: Yes. Two things on that. One, yes, I did look at that retreat and I was like, you know, if I didn't have some other life choices to (laughs) expand on, I was was like, this has my name all over it. Um, But yeah, I'm one of those people who would have definitely, you know, so maybe the next one. But then number two, you're so right about that. I have had to unfollow people on Instagram. I love fitness motivation, but it's. You know, when it's just you, like, first of all, posting ridiculous workouts that no one else can do. (laughs) I'm not Mm -hmm. into it. Or when you're like eating things like you will post recipes that actually look good. And, you know, it's in your Tupperware. You're not like trying to style the plate. You're just like, look, this is my meal prep. So definitely love that about you.
1: Thanks. yeah some people like and then when i have like a whole pizza to myself or when <laughs> i'll
2: like post about
1: it or one day a follower caught me at mcdonald's literally dining alone with a big Mac meal <laughs> and an apple pie and i like i snap chatted with her because i was like yo this is real like yeah i eat mcdonald's alone and i dine in at mcdonald's yeah. and i have an apple pie and it's just i think people really relate to that
2: right and, and you just reminded me yeah when you were like look i will treat myself to mcdonald's like once a month or you know i get this treat day twice a week and hey I'm gonna be filthy with it and I was like yes Yes. it's gonna be the greasiest piece of crap I can find thank you
1: and then I think that just in turn because and then when my clients when it happens with my clients I just I relate and I get it so I think a lot of the success I've had which has been such a blessing to be Mm -hmm. honest has been because people just relate to me and I've been I've just kept it real from day one
2: absolutely A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term
1: Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. And when we keep them bottled up, it affects us negatively. I have found that therapy has been a safe space to get things off my chest. I had my daughter last August, and by January, I hit up my therapist like, let's go ahead and set up this monthly session. Therapy has been so helpful for me in setting boundaries, and it just empowers me to be the best version of myself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, this is your sign to go ahead and do it and give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com HustlePro today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash HustlePro. So I know us talking, it can seem like a lot of things went right and you know you were very strategic and had a plan, but what have been some of the biggest challenges or hardest parts of entrepreneurship so far?
1: So I have I have if you if you've been following me as of late, like my biggest thing is living life to the fullest, having fun. I still go out, I travel. So I guess the hardest reality was like this is now my, this is now my livelihood. So there, there needs to be some boundaries and structures as well as finding like the time to have fun and live life to the fullest. So the biggest reality was September where I just moved to Bali. I was having a good time. I was going out and I was meeting people and all this. And then I look at the end of the month, I, I set targets and stuff for myself and I hit half of my target. And like, I'm someone who's very goal oriented and I'm not someone who watches the numbers on my site and stuff and payments that come through every, every day. I kind of take a look at the end of the month and I did, and I hit half my target. And that was a bit of a a wake up call for me because I thought to myself, you know, I need to find this balance with having fun, living life, traveling and making this business something that's going to scale and be amazing. So I don't know if that was a really low point in this journey, but it was more of a reality check for me to find the balance and kind of start to create some structure and routine around my life. That's something that I hadn't really done. And it was the first wake up call that I needed to because it was the first time I hadn't hit my targets. Honestly, this lifestyle has been so fabulous. I wish I could say that there has been heartaches and stuff. But at this point, there hasn't been not heartache, sorry, any downfalls or any any low points. But there just hasn't been. Because I think I've just strategically set things up in a way that would really mitigate that. So, yeah, it's just it's been really, really, really good. But I think I've set things in place to make it that way. If I was in New York City or if I was in a major city doing what I'm doing now, it would not be the same story.
2: And speaking of that, did you also, as people like to say, have like X amount of months saved or was it more like just reducing the cost of living?
1: Both. So I'm someone who's very risk adverse. I'll take risks with my life and moving. I could pick up and move anywhere. But when it comes to my finances, like I'm very risk adverse. So I, I that once I kind of realized that I wanted to set this business up full time, yes, I might have quit on a limb because I didn't get a job, but I had kind of been preparing a year before that I knew that this was going to be a lifestyle I wanted to live very soon. So I saved. I continued to live a humble lifestyle. So as my money grew on my corporate side and as I was making more money, I still lived pretty humbly. Like I lived very humbly compared to a lot of my peers. Um, I had some times where I would go out and have fun, but for the most part, I would live very humbly. So I just saved, 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 invested, invested, invested. So I'm at the point now where, like in September, where maybe I hit half my target, wasn't as great. It's not like the world is going to turn upside down. I can't afford rent because I've just prepared in a way that I'm good for the next three to four years um, if I continue to live, keep my cost of living to a minimum.
2: Now that is awesome. Three to four years. Snaps to that. That four hundred dollar rent.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's another thing. I paid for rent a full like a year in advance because a it's only four or five hundred dollars, and b I don't want to have to worry about making rent every month. I just paid it up front, and now it's a matter of just focusing on scaling and growing this business. So I just try to eliminate all kind of financial worry from my life. I kind of set up my life in a way that I don't have financial worries. So it's more about, A, the purpose and the passion, and then, B, like, how can I grow this business to make it scalable and help more people?
2: Is there any downside on the personal relationships front? Like, do you miss your family and people or ever find it lonely? Yeah. So
1: that I, as, I, as I finished up saying, you know, entrepreneurial life is, is great and there's not really many downfalls. The loneliness factor is, but I think that's because I've decided to put myself on the other side of the world. So the loneliness factor gets real. Like I said, you build communities out here, everybody's lonely. So you find that you often have these big group dinners, big group weekend getaways and stuff, but these aren't people that you've really known for your whole life. So I miss my lifelong friends. My mom and I are super close. So there definitely things I miss about being home, but it's just the reward is too much. is too much to give up (laughs) being out here, but it's, it definitely gets lonely and it's really hard to maintain like long relationships because nomads get up and leave all the time so you can meet somebody you can have a great connection and then two months later they their spirit tells them they need to go to Nicaragua (laughs) they they pick up and leave because they're not nobody's tied to anywhere so they just pick up and go to another side of the world so it's hard to have I can tell that's coming
2: from a real experience
1: (laughs) yeah my my really good friends picking up and going to Nicaragua and I was like I support you. I get it. Cause if an opportunity allowed me to go to Nicaragua, I would go. So I get it.
2: All right. Well, now we're going to transition into the lightning round and you basically just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Um. Yes. <laughs> All righty. So number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the side hustle pro audience? Mm,
1: so Tony Robbins, Money Master the Game, and his latest book, um, I forget, what is it called? Unshakable. So Tony Robbins does a really good job at telling you how to live a financially free life and make your money work for you. So I've been using that a lot to kind of set myself up for the future.
2: Mm, Okay. And that leads us into number two. What's the best business book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year?
1: So I would say the best business book has been Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins um, podcast, anything Gary V. I I I vibe with that guy. I think he, Yay. I think he keeps it real.
2: Yeah. So are you implementing more marketing techniques now? Cause I mean, Gary V is all about the marketing.
1: He is. So I've learned from it. So I'm thinking kind of down the road right now, the organic, the organic strategy is working,
2: like I'm literally
1: growing. I'm growing too quickly to have to worry about marketing, but down the road, when I get to where I need to get to and become the empire I want, I'm going to need to implement. So it's always just learning about what's out there. So that's why I use Gary Vee.
2: Cool. Alrighty. Mm -hmm. Number three, what's your best tip for staying healthy while juggling a nine to five and a side business?
1: Put it into your schedule. So I would say like literally put it into your schedule. So from 8am to 9am, put it into your calendar and make it happen. But if you don't schedule it, it won't happen. So you've got to schedule in your meal planning. You've got to schedule in your workouts. You just got to put it in your schedule, make it happen and commit to it. Prioritize it just as much as you would showering, going to a meeting or brushing your teeth.
2: Number four, what's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business?
1: Time blocking. So as entrepreneurs, we're creatives. We can, we are creative. We can get sidetracked and everything. So actually waking up in the morning, know from, knowing from 9 to 11, I'm doing this. 11 to 2, I'm doing this. 2 to 5, I'm doing this. 5 to 7, I'm doing this. Time blocking in like my day has just helped me be so much more effective and efficient.
2: All right. And number five. What's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck?
1: Don't rush into it and plan and prepare because there's nothing worse than having a taste of this entrepreneurial life and loving it, but having to go back to that steady paycheck. So prepare yourself financially so that money doesn't have to be your number one driver. So I would say financially prepare.
2: That is the perfect note to end on. So what's the best way that we can connect with you after this episode?
1: So everything, all my branding is Tamika G. So my email is hello at Tamika G.com. My Instagram, Facebook, Twitter is Tamika G. Um, And my website is Tamika G.com. So it's T-A-M-E-I-K-A-G.com.
2: All right. And I will link to the website and Instagram in the show notes, you guys. Tamika, thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. (laughs) Yay. All righty. And there you have it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly Side Hustle Diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Pro